0: It's Justin Womack, and welcome to the Business Dynamics Podcast. Today, I have an exciting guest. I'm going to be sitting down with Nick Nimmin, a top YouTuber who, at the time of our interview together just a few months ago, was hovering around the 500,000 subscriber mark on YouTube, which is quite a feat on its own. As I'm releasing this... He's now at 641,000 subscribers. so I wanted to provide that context because in the conversation, we're going to be talking a lot about 500,000 subscribers. And he's really figured out a clear formula and structure to how entrepreneurs, business owners, hobbyists can grow their YouTube channel predictably and create a raving subscriber base. So it's an exciting conversation for anyone that's interested in getting on YouTube or creating more content, more video content. You're going to really enjoy this conversation. Let me give you a little bit of background on Nick here. So Nick Nimmin, he's a top YouTuber. He's a content creator, educator, and he's dedicated to helping others succeed on YouTube and social media. He has a free channel. Uh, The channel is just called Nick Nimmin, where he shares video tips, YouTube tips, and just general knowledge on how to increase your subscribers and view count and he's now helped countless people to grow their presence online through this content that he teaches on that channel as well as through his private consulting service now since we recorded this he's now in the process of launching a membership site a youtube accelerator course that's in a waiting period you can actually join his waiting list and i'll have a link for that in the show notes and for context, there is one point in the interview where I mentioned my podcast, and I'm talking about my other podcast, which is called Marketing Geeks, which you could check out on your own time. So I wanted to provide some clarity around that in case it caused any confusion. But without any further ado, let's get into today's main attraction, my interview with YouTuber Nick Nimmin. Here we go. Today, I am joined by Nick Nimmin, a YouTube influencer with uh, with now over... How many how many subscribers you have now? You have a couple hundred thousand. You're, you're at five hundred, almost a half million, correct? Yeah, I'm 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 just a few away from uh, five hundred thousand. So that's got to be quite a milestone. Now, it's my understanding that you did this pretty quickly for the listeners. Can you just kind of give a, a quick kind of timetable on um, how how fast you went from uh, got up to to or to this near five hundred thousand. It actually hasn't been that quick. So, um, I've been on YouTube since September of
1: 2014. And, uh, during that time, I basically started my channel and it wasn't about YouTube tips at the time, but I started my channel and then I went and worked on another channel for about nine months. And then I came back to my current channel. So I just kind of ran the gamut, um, in terms of just experimentation, trying different types of content and things like that. And, um, on my current channel, Basically, once I came back to it, one of the things that I had to make sure that I did was focus really hard. And everybody should do this if you're considering starting YouTube, but focus really hard on making sure that I knew who I was trying to reach so that I could build something that I would be able to monetize easy so that I could uh, start doing YouTube as a full-time thing instead of just as a hobby. And um, during that process, that led me into making more content about just videos in general. And I wasn't giving YouTube tips at the time. I was talking more about, um, you know, like video ideas and how to stay productive and, you know, things like that. It wasn't about YouTube strategy or anything along those lines. And then I made a video about YouTube SEO. And when I made that particular video, the audience really enjoyed that. The people that were watching it, they started asking for more. So I started making more of what it was that they wanted, um, which was more information about YouTube. And then I started mixing in, you know, uh, the things about YouTube tools and things like that and basically became a resource for content creators um, for everything it is that they need to to know about how to do YouTube.
0: Now, are you are you mostly self-taught? I mean, you kind of dove into this relatively early on. I mean, 2014 is not early in the lifespan of YouTube, but it's early in the monetization phase, I would say, of YouTube. Yeah. Did you did you pretty much have to learn from your mistakes or did you have a did you have a bit of a mentor that kind of walked you through some of the things as well? So there's actually
1: a nice perfect storm that happened. So um, before I even came onto YouTube in the first place, I was already doing graphic design, um, freelance and as contract. Um, I also, uh, my brother had a media company, which was what allowed me to move over to Thailand in the first place to where I could even, you know, invest in my time into some of this stuff because it, it, you know, like the cost of living over here is cheap and all that stuff. So I had that to my advantage. Um, but through his media company, I also learned how to edit videos lightly, not, not in-depth editing, but I learned the basics of video editing there. Um, I had a 10-year... Actually, more like a 15-year sales background um, that also helps when you are presenting content in any way, shape, or form, you're doing any type of presentation stuff. Um, so I had those back skills that actually came to YouTube with me, which gave me an, an advantage right out of the gate. Um, some of my freelance... Uh, Work that I also did was helping people rank videos or not videos. I'm sorry, but blog posts in search. So I also had that knowledge when I came onto YouTube, which was great. But when I came onto YouTube, I actually didn't know anything about YouTube, <laughs> which is the you know which is the important side. So um, when, yeah, when I when did Google buy them? Was that like 2010ish or like when when did that happen? I think it was 2010. Okay. Yeah, I, I believe it was 2010. Yeah, but but I was I, I came on like way after that yeah. for sure. But basically when I started focusing on monetizing my channel and I started making sure that I was trying to reach a a specific audience, that's when things really started to fine tune for me in terms of people keep coming back to the channel. They keep seeing me as a resource and things like that, which ended up propelling me ultimately, um, into the position that I'm in now, uh, on YouTube. Okay.
0: I have some questions about that, but first I want to just ask you why, why Thailand? Why, what drew you to Thailand? Why, why come there? Were you from the United States or, um, yeah, I'm from
1: the United States and, uh, I actually got out of a relationship and, uh, that relationship, uh, you know how it is, you know, relationships can be tough. So I, I, I was having some trouble mentally and uh, my brother was living here already because he was already doing the whole, you know, working online thing, like way back in the day before, like everybody was working online And, uh, he realized that, Hey, I can live anywhere and do this. So he decided to come over here and he was loving it. And he said to me, he's like, Hey, all expense paid trip. If you want to come over here and hang out for like a month, clear your mind, all of that. And I was like, absolutely. I'm on my way. And, uh, I came over and I fell in love with the place as well. But at the time, um, I wasn't able to stay because I didn't have any way to make money. And so he said that he would mentor me on, uh, like learning how to basically showing me what he. Um, was doing in terms of like working online, how do you get clients and that kind of thing.
0: Gotcha. Okay. makes sense. Um, and it, it seems pretty awesome. I mean, if you look behind me, you're seeing a, Cal, uh, a condo in California. I'm sure money-wise this costs a lot more than wherever you are in Thailand. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, absolutely. So so I actually um, I actually had a place in California before I moved here. And um, I, think, I think I was paying around like $2,000 a month for that particular place. And it was like a relatively small place. And for the place that I have here, um, it's much bigger than the place that I had in California in a much nicer part of town with a spectacular view. Um, and I pay around like $600 a month for this place.
0: And I imagine at this point you're probably doing well, even if you were in the U S again, so oh, yeah. uh, you're living like a King over there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to get back into, okay. So we're talking about finding your niche in the, and the content thing. One of the things I heard you talk about in a different interview was how, There's different levels of search i mean there's there's search you can optimize for terms or for keywords in search which is kind of like traditional seo in google but you can also optimize for suggested videos and you had mentioned in the other interview i would listened to that a lot of that comes from the comments that come in through the engagement on your videos can you talk a little bit about that is that accurate or am i misstating that
1: yeah that's that's a a bit of a misstatement so engagement is is without question an important part of of getting your videos discovered on youtube Um, However, when it comes to getting suggested traffic or a lot of suggested traffic, that comes from people clicking on your thumbnail at a high rate, your click through rate in your thumbnail, and them watching your video for a fair amount of time compared to the other videos that are being shown there. Because what YouTube is ultimately trying to accomplish is they're trying to get as much watch time per impression as possible. And what that means is basically every time they show your thumbnail and your title to somebody on YouTube, it doesn't matter where it is, it counts as an impression. So what they are trying to get is they're trying to get every single time they show a thumbnail to somebody and and a title, they're trying to get as much watch time or as many minutes of of them viewing that particular piece of content as humanly possible. And then to stack onto that, if you can also generate engagement, then that makes that piece of content even more, um, even more powerful, so to speak. So the idea is to make sure that it doesn't matter if you're, if you're, Just starting on YouTube with video number one, or if you've been on YouTube for years and you have, you know, 100,000 subscribers, the very first point of contact with viewers is your thumbnail and your title. So it is paramount that you make sure that you are testing your thumbnails and you're testing your titles and you're figuring out for your specific audience, the people that YouTube is showing your content to, you figure out what makes them respond. And then you just do that over and over and over again over time until something changes. Um, Same exact thing applies to them watching the video content as well. The funny thing that happens is you see people on YouTube giving each other advice like crazy. But in like forums on Facebook and things like that. But the funny thing is, is in most of those cases, people are giving advice based on what's happening on their channel. But what's happening on your channel, if you were to tell a friend, hey, I did this in my video. And when I did this in my video, um, it made people either leave or stay for a longer period of time. Now your friend could try that same exact thing and that may or may not work based on the type of people that are watching that specific type of content. So when you are looking around the internet and you're seeing all of that different advice coming in, it's really important to kind of take all of that and experiment for sure, but kind of close those doors and start running experiments on your own content so you can really figure out what works for the people that YouTube is showing your content to. Because ultimately, gotcha. that's all that matters.
0: And I mean, I imagine that YouTube in their search is somewhat like Google these days, where they've added more and more artificial intelligence to the mix. Where it's not just about like keyword cramming anymore, like it right. was ten years ago. Yeah, now it's about actually how uh, how relevant is the content to the query that was entered. Like if somebody asks a question in YouTube or Google is the question actually being answered. That's one of the, I know that's one of the key things on Google, especially if they're looking for.
1: Same on YouTube without question. Yeah. So like when you're talking about search rankings, not suggested, same exact thing applies. So they're looking for how much watch time and how much engagement, this might be where you pulled the engagement thing from. They're Mm -hmm. looking at how much um, watch time and engagement that you're pulling from, for each query that you're, you know, trying to rank for that is, you know, showing your content. Um, But, at the end of the day, you still have to start with that first point of contact, which is getting them to click, right? Because if they don't click, they're not gonna watch, they're not gonna be able to engage. So you have to start with that. But um, absolutely, the engagement matters, how long they watch the content, how much they're clicking on it matters way more than how much, how many keywords you stuff into it. Now, it is important to still use keywords in order to help them identify or help their system identify what your video is about. Um, their AI is going to be able to technically watch the video and figure out what the video is about. But the more clear that you can make it, the easier everything is going to be for you and the easier it's going to be for them to make sure that they nail what it is that you are uh, making the content for.
0: What about like transcriptions? Is it important to use a service like Rev and get a really ac- and pay for like an accurate transcription on a video to get um, for the system to more accurately index the video's content? Or I do. You do, okay,
1: yeah, I do. and and the reason that I do, it's I focus everything on users, right? Because if you focus on users, then the algorithms going to work in your favor. So basically, the reason that I capture my videos, it's not just so that their their AI can read through my transcriptions and have an understanding of what my video is about. That's a bonus, but it's it's more to make my content more accessible to people that want to consume content in a way, where they might have those captions up there to get a better understanding of my content. YouTube specifically says if you go through the YouTube Creator Academy, it's 100% free. It's provided by YouTube. It's like an instruction manual for YouTube. If you go through the YouTube Creator Academy, they have a section in there on discovery. And in that section, they talk about instead of worrying about what the algorithm likes, instead focus on what your audience likes. And if you do that, and people watch, then the algorithm will follow. Because at the end of the day, what YouTube is doing is it is For every single user that's on the platform, they're creating profiles around that user in real time. Everything is constantly morphing, but they're creating profiles around those users. And since they're creating profiles around those users, once their system identifies this particular user likes to watch this particular type of content, then they're going to start showing those types of content to that particular user. So what you need to do is you need to be so fine tuned with the content that you're putting out that YouTube can say, hey, this particular type of user, they keep coming back to this channel over and over and over again, consuming this particular type of content on this particular channel. So what we're going to do is we're going to go and we're going to try to find a bunch of other people that might be interested in this particular type of content because these people that are coming to it are responding to it.
0: Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I, and I think like in traditional business, in my own philosophy anyway, it's, it's important to create the experience for the customer or in this case, the subscriber. And the best possible experience is going to come from having that transcript. Plus, it's, you know, it's not a huge investment, especially if you're already generating money from the video to to kind of add in the transcript. So it it kind of just shows that you're willing to kind of go um, do what it takes to keep your viewers and not skimp on cost just to save a few bucks, you know, in thinking short term.
1: Right. And even if you want to save a few bucks, I mean, you can still caption them yourself. It's just the 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 reason that I pay to have them captioned is because of accuracy, because how you were saying before about, you, you know, telling YouTube what it's about. The one thing that I don't want to happen is I don't want their automated systems to read my captions and pick up that it's something incorrect to where it might give context that my videos about something that it's not really about. Or maybe the way that I speak isn't as clear in a particular part of my video and it throws in an obscenity. And because of that, it ends up hurting my ad revenue on that particular video, right? To where, um, To where the particular advertisers that don't want to advertise on sensitive content wouldn't their ads wouldn't show there, so it would end up costing me money. So because of that, I make sure that I use the captions just for the sake of making sure that everything is coming through the way that it's intended instead of having an automated system uh, run through it and possibly mess, mess everything up. <laughs>
0: yeah, again, I mean, if you save a few bucks short-term, even if even if you're doing it yourself, uh, if you just invest a little extra, oftentimes you'll save more in the long run <laughs> because you'll avoid <laughs> those mistakes. Without question, yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll, let's talk a little bit about monetization. Um, I, I do podcast monetization. That's kind of my thing. So I understand like CPM and, and those things. But how, how does YouTube, is YouTube fully CPM uh, based for monetization? Do they look Not at, at all? Not at all, not, not at all. CPM. So they're no. looking. So, are they so, looking at like length of uh, viewership minutes, or how do they monetize?
1: Well, in terms of like their on-platform monetization, yes. So they, they 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 are focused on CPM. However, um, ad revenue, unless you're getting crushed with views, ad revenue is something that you should look at as hobby money. It's something that you should look at as hey, this is something that is just going to add to what it is that I'm doing. It's going to help me pay for transcriptions. It's going to help me pay. Um, for music services and things like that, instead of looking at the ad revenue as something that's going to um, allow you to go full time and making content, right? Now, with that said, I work with channels that have, uh, you know, $300,000 in the last year just in ad revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is with those is they're entertainment channels and they get crushed in views. And most people on the platform don't get crushed in views like that. So, because of that. What do you mean by out, that crush in views? What do you mean by that? Like 20 million views a month, okay. as an example. Yeah, 20 million, 40 million views a month. Um, you know, like that's a really difficult thing to accomplish. So, you know, a lot of people on the platform do, but compared to the amount of creators that are on the platform, not a lot do, <laughs> right? So, so because of that, I, I always recommend to people that you find external ways to monetize. And that can be through, you know, reaching out to companies yourself. Um, to try to get brand deals that can be um, making your own products in some way. It can be coffee cups. It can be courses. It can be anything that's related around what it is that you are, um, you know, the, the, the content that you're providing on your YouTube channel. Um, if you are in the entertainment space doing things like merch and, you know, that sort of thing um, is also profitable. Um, but, you know, basically finding those external ways to make money, you will just destroy your ad revenue on the amount of money that you can generate in comparison. And affiliate marketing, too. Affiliate marketing is great. Like you see a lot of the tech review people, you know, they'll be they'll send traffic to uh, uh, like B&H or they'll send traffic to uh, Amazon or any of these other places to where they can get affiliate commissions as well um, or
0: whatever industry you're in. I mean, yeah, with marketing podcasts, it's easy to promote different marketing softwares out there. And most of them will have some level of affiliate program, not all of them, but most of them have a certain level of affiliate program. Sometimes they're evergreen where they where they're ongoing and uh they go on you know you pay commissions for life, sometimes they pay the first year, things like that, so yeah yeah, I'm well aware yeah affiliate marketing um could be yeah an amazing little adjunct to again uh to again on top of your ad revenue and then selling your own kind of online courses or um working out private advertising deals like you're talking about.
1: Yeah. And also, you know, like if you're a professional and you are, you know, if you're somebody that's listening to this and you have a company or you work for a company, or you provide any type of services, you know, YouTube channel is also a great way to let people know that you offer those services. Um, I worked with somebody a long time ago that um, is actually one of my first consulting clients to where, um, one of the conversations that we had, was, when we first started was, what is it you're trying to accomplish? And the goal that he was trying to accomplish was that he wanted to be a men's fashion consultant. <laughs> so I was like, okay, that's cool. How, you know, niche. Like, <laughs> yeah. Right. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Um, like how are people going to know that you're a fashion consultant? Like what do you have in place? And he didn't have a website, didn't have anything. So the very first step was like, okay, well, if you have a service that you offer, and this is what i want to share with your your listeners right now if you have a service that you offer at the very least mention that you offer that service and at the very least if you don't or if you're not at the place right now where you can build a website or anything like that at the very least put a place where they can contact you put an email you know hire me for my services at you know whatever your email address is.com and the reason for that is because unless you make that avenue for people to be able to hire you for your services then there's no way that they're going to be able to do it unless they you know, go through this very difficult process of trying to figure out how to get in touch with you. So to make it easy for people,
0: yeah, yeah, they have to Google your name and do the research themselves instead <laughs> right. of just making a very quick, easy path. Uh, get rid of that resistance with the friction, <laughs>
1: right? And in his situation, he was able to. He started generating clients um, within a week of actually adding that, uh, just adding an email down there um, in his description. So, service wise it's, it's, it's really valuable. When I went full-time on YouTube myself, the very first step in that was, I built a website to where people could download stuff, but I also offered services off of that. And at the time, since I was offering those services, that was one of those things that propelled me to where I could also say, okay, well now I'm full-time on this stuff and I'm not, you know, focused on doing client work
0: anymore. So gotcha. Now though, let's take a step back. Cause I know when you got started, you had mentioned that you were uncomfortable on camera. Mm-hmm it was a it was a struggle to kind of break in and you didn't really envision yourself as a on camera kind of personality. I know that, that I experienced something very similar. Um I you know I'm not as on camera as you are, but I run, you know, I have a podcast now that's uh grown pretty well and it's uh it, it's interesting. Do you consider yourself like an introvert like um without question is this without question. It was this, yeah. uh, was this difficult for you to figure this out? Or did you get, did you get help and coaching to kind of work through some personal blocks? Like what, what did that process look like? Well,
1: um, I had a, a sales background. So that part, I, I, I had the mental practice of, okay, if you're going to make sales, you have to, you know, like you have to get over that every single day, you have to fight yourself and you have to go out and you have to go through the process of, you know, getting in front of people to make sales. Um, when it came to YouTube, I had to, basically use some of that as well to push me over the edge sometimes. But my very first video was about how to overcome camera shyness. And the reason for that was because basically like another part of my journey getting on YouTube was I started looking for other things that I could do besides graphic design. And one of the things that I started looking at was internet marketing that led me to email marketing and then email marketing led me to a lot of people saying, Hey, we're able to collect a lot of emails using YouTube. So I looked at it as, well, let me just start a YouTube channel and see if I can collect some emails. So that was like the initial thing. But um, the decision to say, yeah, let me start YouTube and use that to collect emails was a humongous hurdle for me because even though it was working out great for other people, in my brain, I had this, well, I'm not going to put myself on camera because one, I don't want the judgment. Two, I don't want people in my life to find out that I have this like YouTube (laughs) channel and be like, oh, hey, you know, you're, you know, you're, you know, this old and you've got a YouTube channel, that's for kids. And, you know, I like, I didn't want to have to deal with all that. So, um, so I had to do a lot of uh, internal convincing in order to actually get myself to, to, to go ahead and, and pull the trigger and get on camera. Um, and that's why I made the first video.
0: Anything specific work for you that you remember? Because I'm curious, because I, 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 this is something I'm still working through. And, uh, and I've, I've made a lot of progress in the last five years, but it's, uh, but it's still a work in progress. <laughs> Reasoning.
1: You know, like if, if you just, if you just reason through it, right. And all of those, all of those things that you have in your brain to where it's like, you know, well, what if this person finds out about it? Sure. They might, they might give you a hard time initially, but then eventually making videos is just going to be a part of what it is that you do. And everybody's going to know it. And it's not going to be that big of a deal. So, so you just have to reason through it in terms of, okay, this is going to be new to me and it's going to be new to the people in my life. And because of that, there's going to be this small period where some people are going to be like, oh, that's awesome. And then there's going to be other people that are going to give you a hard time about it. Probably your closest friends. And, uh, <laughs> and, and for those people, initially, they're going to give you a hard time. But as long as you dedicate to it and you're like, hey, I'm, I'm going to figure out how to make this work. It'll be a really quick transition to where they will uh, to where all of a sudden it's going to be like, oh, yeah, my friend has a my friend has a YouTube channel. Go check him out to where they'll actually become advocates for you. Yeah.
0: I do want to share this briefly. I don't want to focus on my on my own story, but I just want to share like a really condensed uh, part of it where um, back in 2014, when you were kind of getting started and I, had, I was working on the back end of some businesses back then, I got in a major car accident, ended up in ICU for two months, very mm-hmm. close to death. And coming out of that kind of gave me a different perspective to take some risks that I wasn't taking before. And it was funny because like you're saying about reasoning, when I actually took those risks and put myself out there, like the the results were like just so like, blah. Like <laughs> it was nothing, you know, I just like, it was amazing how, uh, I think a lot of introverts have this problem. We can build up things in our minds, like to be a thousand times worse than they really are. And then when we actually do them, it's like, Oh, that wasn't that bad. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because we're our own worst enemies in that respect. That's why we're introverts, right? Because we, we build up that wall. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not going to go to that particular, you know, uh, um, event that's happening in town because I don't want to be around all those people. But then you go and it's like, okay, this isn't that bad. You know, people are normal. People are okay. <laughs>
0: <Right>? <laughs> so I, I noticed in your bio too, that you've spoken at several conferences, including social media marketing world, which I, I attended the most recent one oh. and like Vid Summit and a few, a few other pretty big events related to video, internet marketing, those kind of, uh, that kind of industry. Were you contacted because of your YouTube success? Like how how did that come about? Was that a plan that you wanted to pursue speaking as part of your journey? What brought you into the speaking realm? Why why did that come about?
1: It was a total accident. So speaking, like when I decided to go all in on on YouTube and I said, okay, I'm going to um, transition from doing like the graphic design freelance thing and I'm going like 100% in on YouTube. I literally sat down and I still have it in a pile of papers in there, but I sat down and I literally a map and i was like all right this is my youtube channel these are all the different assets i need to create for the youtube channel these are the things that i want to do around the channel in order to you know just get known on youtube and that kind of stuff speaking was nowhere on that list it wasn't even in my range of things that i would even be interested in and what happened it's it, it was interesting because i did a local thing here in chiang mai to where they have something called the nomad coffee club and at the nomad coffee club Um, Basically, uh, because let let me back this up a little bit. So in Chiang Mai, it's known as a digital nomad place, right? It's like a hub for digital nomads. Um, And basically what that term means, if you're not familiar with it, is it's basically people that work online. And since they work online, they can basically travel or they can live pretty much anywhere they want in the world. So because of that, because we have a high concentration of digital nomads here, Um, there's all these events happening all the time around town to where these little meetups where people go and they mastermind and share ideas and that kind of thing. So a friend of mine, he had a meetup and I, I think it's still going on, but somebody else has it now, but it was called the nomad coffee club. And they're like, Hey, since you're on YouTube, do you want to come and just do like a little presentation? And I was like, okay, yeah, I can, I can do that. So I put together, you know, a little presentation and I went there and I, you know, talked to people about YouTube and they're like, Hey, you know, that was, that was good. Thanks. But there was another guy there. And the other guy there, um, he worked for Payoneer and he was like, hey, uh, watch your presentation, man. That was, that was great information. Um, we have somebody that was supposed to come to our, our event tomorrow, um, but uh, for somebody from Amazon is supposed to come to our event tomorrow, but they canceled, would you wanna take that spot? And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. I'll give it a shot. So uh, so then I went to their event and their event was actually like an event event, you know, stage and like all that stuff. It wasn't just like people hanging out at a coffee shop, right? <laughs> and uh, uh, when I walked into that, when I was like, uh, yeah, this isn't what I, you know what I mean? And I was like, yeah, I, I, this isn't what I expected. Um, but I did that one and I was like, okay, yeah, that was, that was fun. And there was another guy there um, that happened to have a, another local conference called the... Uh,
0: uh, nomad Summit. Well, and how many people like, were at this Pioneer one? I'm just curious. Probably 500 people. Wow, and, you, and they were yeah. all in the room when you were speaking, so you had about a crowd yes. of 500. Nice. Yeah.
1: Cool. Yeah. So it went from like 18 people maybe <laughs> to like 500. <laughs> That's why I was like, oh, I didn't expect this. And um, and then the Nomad uh, uh, the the Nomad Summit that happened maybe like a month after that, and uh, I ended up speaking on that, and that was another like 500 or so people. And then uh, I posted some pictures online. And when I posted some of those pictures online, then, uh, uh, another friend of mine, Jeremy best, he reached out and he was like, Oh, Hey, I didn't know you're doing speaking, got an event coming up. Do you want to speak? That was video marketing world. And then, uh, um, and then Daryl, um, from, uh, summit, Daryl leaves. He he was actually, he actually mentored me, um, also as part of my journey back when I was going through that transition of working on another channel and all of that. Um, but he also reached out. He was like, Hey, didn't know you're speaking, you know, would you like to speak at bid summit and, uh, and, and, and basically, it's just kind of compiled from there. And uh, social media marketing world, that was another one because of the YouTube channel and because I'm active in the space. Um, and by active in the space, I mean, I'm, I'm entrenched in all the different like groups and all that stuff. And I do a lot of collaborations and things like this. So, um, uh, so that put me on his radar. And I also got recommended by another friend and I actually met him at Bid Summit as well. And that relationship led to, uh, to me speaking there.
0: I mean, my experience has been similar in terms of like, it's funny when you take these kind of speaking gigs, you never really know what's going to result from them. From my podcast, I had a, one of the employees from social media marketing world contacted me from my podcast and told me, she heard that I was, we were from the same hometown <laughs> on the show. Cause I just mentioned like, my hometown randomly in that episode. And so she reached out and then we connected and then I ended up going to the event. I met her and then, but then she introduced me, she like walked me up to like people like to like Pat Flynn. And I was able to, I was able to get him onto our show and, you know, it was just kind of cool how this little two sentence thing I mentioned on the air turned into an interview with Pat Flynn (laughs) and things like that. It's kind of crazy how like, um, the results come from unexpected places sometimes.
1: It is. And, you know, I think that also leans on your, on your point that you mentioned earlier about, you know, um, about being an introvert and like pushing through that and things like that. It's like, you know, when you do, start putting yourself out there. It's amazing the, the doors that open for you when you're like, you know what, I'm just going for it. I'm just going to do my thing. I'm going to do that thing that I'm interested in and I'm going to um, take it seriously. Um, it's, it's interesting the, the doors that open for us.
0: In, in the same regard, I would never recommend people go to their, their chamber of commerce in, in this industry, like digital marketing industry. But I, I did that a little bit in the beginning when I, when I actually went full in on my own business. But it was funny because I found that quickly, like the networking is kind of a mess, like just people handing out business cards, things like that. But if you if you volunteer and you teach a workshop, all of a sudden, I had people like wanting to sign up with me constantly, and it was getting all kinds of business from those kind of local events. And the big difference was the positioning and the authority than teaching a workshop versus being just another guy in the crowd handing out business cards. So yeah. it, it does have that effect, too. So let, let's talk, let's get back into YouTube. Now, I wanted to talk a little bit about live streaming, because you mentioned that you're also into live streaming. So when, when you mentioned that, is that focus primarily on YouTube? Are you using like cross-platform streaming, like restream.io or anything like that? And what's your opinion on something like that? Because I would imagine that there would be mixed things to say if you're trying to do too much at the same time. But I'm curious.
1: Um, When it comes to live streaming, I am completely addicted to live streaming. I absolutely love it. Um, I do it on YouTube. Um, I only do it once a week though. But when we stream, we stream from three to six hours at a time. Um, our longest stream, I think, is like seven and a half hours, but I do it with my brother in most situations or most weekends. And um, we are primarily focused on YouTube. So we just stream to YouTube. And that's for multiple reasons. One is because for some of the platforms, it's actually against the terms of service to multicast. Yeah. Um, so just for the safety side of it. Um, but in addition to that, I also am trying to draw drive people to YouTube. And since I'm trying to drive people to YouTube, I want that to be the only place that they can get my live stream. Now I do live streams into my members only Facebook group um, for the people that are members of my YouTube channel. Um, I do stream into there, but in terms of my public facing live streams, um, I just drive everybody to my YouTube channel because that's where I want the activity to happen.
0: So what have you found with uh, with live streaming to get the most viewers? Is, so is it is it useful then to have like a every, like a day of the week and a time kind of allocated each week is without that kind of one of the ways without questioning. Yeah. I, without
1: question. You know, it's, it's like, uh, did, did you watch the Mandalorian? I watched the first episode. That's it. Okay. But I know so about I, baby Yoda. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I saw so, so I saw Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason I
1: was asking is, you know, like when you have uh, TV shows come out and you know that they're going to be released on a particular day, then, you know, for me, because I was into Mandalorian. So when Friday came along, I'm like, Oh, I, Girlfriend, right? I call my girlfriend. I'm like, Oh, Hey, guess what's coming out tonight? Guess what we're on tonight? You know, we're, we're, you know, we're on Disney plus watching Mandalorian. And, and the same exact thing happens with the live streams is over time, you start to build a community there and you start to become people's entertainment on that particular day or their, their source of knowledge on that particular day. But when you do it repeatedly, an interesting thing happens. And that interesting thing is Not only do you start recognizing people that are there on a regular basis, but they also start recognizing each other and they start having conversations with each other. They start welcoming each other when they start noticing each other in the streams and things like that. And you start building like a solid community just around your live streams, which is incredible. So there's people that enjoy only watching video content. They hate live streams. There's people that enjoy watching videos and live streams. And there's people that love hanging out in the live streams because it's live, just like watching live yeah. TV or something.
0: I, I love live streams, but they, they have to be live. I can't watch a
1: replay of a live stream. A replay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I hear you. <laughs> and uh, with the uh, live streams, the thing there is um, is you also give yourself the opportunity to tap into that group of people that also enjoy um, live streams as well. So on the viewership, and in, in most cases, like if you're just starting out and you don't have an audience built in yet, getting started with live streaming can be a really difficult thing to do because it's not really discoverable content, right? Like they have to catch you live, like you were just saying, because the replays aren't that fantastic. So they have to catch you live. And in order for that to happen, people have to know that you're going to be live. And the only way that people can know that you're going to be live is if you have some type of distribution in order for people to understand that, hey, they're going live at this particular point, but when you're first getting started, you don't have that, which makes that whole... You know, I mean, it kind of closes that loop to where it's like, you know, it, it makes it an extremely difficult um, thing when you're first starting. And you'll see that a lot in the gamer community to where gamers, they will go on and they will do Let's Plays, for example, where they just go on and they play their game. And that's all they do because it's easy content to make. I'm just playing my game anyway. Yeah. So let me live stream it to YouTube. But then they'll complain that they're not getting any viewers. And that's because they don't have any of the other stuff built in yet to where YouTube can, be, can even identify that, hey, this particular group of people likes this type of content to where they can even have the opportunity to show it to people
0: well for a for a brief stretch maybe two years ago i got into twitch and watching uh professional poker players that would stream their poker playing because mm. i was like poker uh, and that that was uh, kind of what you described though i mean i i started watching and i would regularly come on and watch their broadcasts i mean i don't think they they weren't as, as scheduled but they were just pretty consistent they were pretty much always streaming it felt like but i got to know like people in the community and recognize them and, and things like that so it was kind of funny how that community built and and I even ended up subscribing for a while and and then I realized like I have better things to do with my time than, uh, <laughs> than this. Sure. But but it's the same kind of I uh, think kind of experience and and yes, it does I I do think that's a a great way of quick uh, Community building now in promotion for this do you, do you use other social media platforms too in terms of like getting people on the live stream? Or like how does like Facebook Instagram LinkedIn and these other platforms come into play?
1: All I use is YouTube um, to to let people know so because of my uh channel now of course when i when i go live then the notifications go out right so because of that you know i have that built in but even back when i had you know um like 10,000 subscribers on my channel um i still had 10,000 people that had the potential to get those notifications right so when i started actually live streaming i already had that built in so because of that i haven't had to go through that particular part now one thing that i can say the very first live stream that I ever did on my YouTube channel. Um, I did a live stream on how to make thumbnails and that was so that I could learn how to do, how to live stream so that I could show other people how to live stream. And when I was going through that live stream, I think I might've had two or three people coming through, came through the stream. And because it was my first one, I was like, Oh, there's people in here. Like you can even hear me say it in the, in the, in the video. (laughs) I'm like, Oh, there's people in here. Oh, Hey, it was like a big deal. Yeah. So, uh, um, you know, so, Uh, so at that point in time, I think I might've had a thousand subscribers on the channel. Right. So, um, and unless you have that audience, it can be, it can be fairly difficult to get, to get rolling with live streams. Now on Facebook, on the other hand, you do have the advantage of the people in your friends list seeing it. But at the end of the day though, if the friends in your Facebook group aren't, or I mean the, the, the people that you're friends with on Facebook, aren't the people that you're trying to reach. Like if you're not trying to reach your mom, yeah for the, what it is that you're doing, then it doesn't make sense for your mom to come into your live stream. Right. Do you notify that you are (laughs) a live stream? It's like, Oh, Hey mom, glad you're in the live stream again. Right. It doesn't
0: make sense. Like love you honey. Go forget to get the
1: groceries or (laughs) right. (laughs) You're Um, looking skinny. Have you been eating?
0: Right. Right.
1: Come on, mom. I'm working here.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and what about the the streaming software? Now, does YouTube have its own built-in um because i've I have not live streamed directly from YouTube. I've done things like I've used Zoom now as a um, you can go live from Zoom now and you could stream. I mean, I can integrate things and stream to to YouTube or to Facebook uh, through Zoom. But is there any sort of advantage in terms of push and and promotion to use like uh, certain softwares for streaming, or what what do you find with that?
1: No, um in terms of how YouTube treats the content, just like every other piece of content on YouTube, it comes down to how people respond to it. So because of that, like we went through the process of building an entire studio, um, for live streaming because we want that viewer experience, right? We want, when people come into it, we want people to say, wow, this must be worth watching because all, you know, there's been so much put into this, right? It's a, like, it's not true. It's not worth watching, but, but we want them to think that I'm just kidding. (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) But, uh, um, uh, but in terms of the software, it's not, it's not based on um, what it is that you're using to push the stream up. It's really based on how people get into the software. So, or get into the stream. So because of that, um, with our studio, we have like multiple cameras and, you know, things like that. We built the studio to where it looks like an actual set and that kind of thing. Um, And we have all these different scenes built in so that we can constantly be changing what it is that people see just like they do, um, you know, like live broadcasts on TV and that sort of thing. So, When it comes to making a a cool experience for users, it's important to remember that even if you are using something like Zoom, try to, at the very least, instead of doing like a split screen, like we're doing while we're recording this, um, to do it to where it's actually full screen and then it's hopping from viewer to viewer so that there's at least something changing on the screen from time to time instead of it just being a static um a static thing that they're yeah
0: at. people have short attention spans so <laughs> makes a lot <laughs> yeah, of sense without question um, so uh, do you have do you have somebody then like uh, directing your live stream then do you have a, an employee that's kind of flipping between cameras as you talk those kind of things so my brother is my co-host
1: and um since my brother is my co-host on the live stream um he's actually over there like I'm I'm basically um hosting the show And then he also does his thing. We have a lot of interaction between us as well, a lot of banter. And uh, while I'm talking, he's sitting over there running everything, switching cameras and and making sure that, you know, uh, everything is working like it's supposed to. Um, He's doing all that stuff while I'm sitting there, uh, you know, doing what it is that I do.
0: And how important is it like your, the webcam quality? Cause like I'm running like a, I think it's a C922 Logitech right now. And it, you know, it says 1080p and it's, it's okay, but it's not, you know, it's not top of the line when you're running this do you. Do you want to have like an ultra high def or a 4k camera when you're live streaming? Is that, does that make a big difference in the, in the view count? Cause I, I've actually had feedback that somebody said like that they didn't think the the resolution was uh, to their standards <laughs> when I did yeah. a live stream.
1: And Yeah. That's a troll for you, right? No, of course. But yeah. like, uh, yeah, it's like, really? It's like the resolution isn't to your standards. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Enjoy life. Hey. But um, um, when it comes to the quality of the stream, um, this is another one of those situations to where I lean really hard on the viewer experience. So you know, when it does come to what it is that they get, um, I, I call it visual authority. And basically my, my thing for visual authority is that when people are consuming your content or they see whatever it is that you're doing and you are presenting it in a way that it comes across professional, everything like looks great. It sounds great. Um, From your graphics to the, the quality of the image that you have built in, you automatically get this like sense of authority because all of your stuff is high quality. Right? So it's like, Oh, well, this must be good because it's good. Right? So because of that, I always recommend to people that if you can, if it makes sense to you for what you're trying to do with your channel, or your live streams that you do upgrade your cameras that you do get everything looking and sounding as good as you possibly can. Now with that said, until about uh, probably six months ago, I also streamed with a Logitech C922. Mm -hmm. Now the difference is that because I make videos, so I I understand lighting and all that stuff. The difference is, I set up my lights in a way and I did all this stuff with my background and all that stuff to where I'm still like high contrast. The image is still clear. Um, as you know, Logitech has the software to where you can dial in your white balance. You can make it sharper. You can, you know, make the colors pop and things like that. So before I would, uh, before I would go live from here, I would actually go in, I would adjust all the settings and I would make sure that it looked as nice and crisp as possible so that they would still get a a, a really good experience for what I was you know, doing at the time. And it wasn't until um, recently that I upgraded this one because just my internet connection, because I'm in Thailand, right? So my internet connection just wouldn't support me pushing through like a, like a, a high resolution um, frame at a high bit rate, but now it does. So because of that, I was like, okay, well, it's time to- They, they don't it. have fiber optic out there yet? <laughs> they do, but it's not available here. Like uh, it's not available where I am because I'm just a, just far enough outside of town here and in our live studio um, we're just far enough out of town that they uh, that they don't provide it here, unfortunately.
0: That's too bad. <laughs> yeah. So, for somebody listening that's getting started, like let's say uh, we mentioned in the very top of this interview that you kind of you kind of hinted that the way to kind of that you would have started over would be like getting into a niche right away. Can can you talk a little bit about like how if somebody's kind of coming in right now, like maybe they have like. 5 10 20 videos on their profile but you know they don't have much of an audience they have a little, a little bit of an audience they're getting that 5 10 20 30 views per video on average uh, which I, which I've seen a lot so tell me about like the the early strategies of, of grinding through that and kind of what are the what are the metrics you look for to see that hey this actually is slowly but surely growing even if it's really really slow um, what, what are you looking for there
1: it, th- this depends on the different types of content that you're making. But if you're making entertainment content, it's going to be more difficult for you. Um, but if you are making type uh, any type of content where you're helping people in any way, shape or form, the best way to really get the ball rolling is like you were saying, focus on a niche, right? Say, okay, this is the type of content that I'm going to put out on a regular basis. But before you do that, think of who it is that you're making that content for. So a lot of times when people think of, um, niching down their content on YouTube, they think, well, I only have to, I can only make this one type of content, but depending on who it is that you're trying to reach on who that ideal audience is for you, your target audience, depending on who that is, you might be able to have different pillars of content, mm. but it all is in alignment with the things that your audience is interested in. As an example, on my YouTube channel, um, I'm, I'm trying to reach content creators that are trying to get better at making content for YouTube and the internet in general, Right. So because of that, I can do YouTube tip videos, I can do mobile YouTube videos on like apps for content creators, that kind of stuff. I can do live streaming videos, and things like that. But some people might think of niching down like, Oh, hey, I only need to just do live streaming videos, because that would be my niche, right. But as long as you're making content that is all in alignment with the people that you're trying to reach, then then you'll win over time, as long as you just keep going through the process, and you keep trying to make it better. And you dig in your analytics and try to figure out how to, you know, like figure figure out what's working and what's not. But um, another thing that you have the advantage of in that situation when you're trying to help people is that you can target search, which is a great way to get your channel off the ground. Um, Ultimately, the most traffic on YouTube is coming from the suggestion or from the recommendation features and from the homepage. Um, But getting started, a really good way to to build a nice solid foundation is to have a nice handful of videos ranking in search that are continually driving you traffic for the next five years straight. So that's a great way to get started. But also, another thing you can do in that situation is you can find Facebook groups and Reddit communities and web forums around the topics that you discuss. And you can also be active there so that you can start getting known in the space in those situations too. And before you know it, you'll see opportunities to where you can post a YouTube video about you know, one topic that you cover and then another topic that you cover to where it will be invited because you are already known in that community instead of somebody that's just stopping by and spam at everything. Yeah. Just don't um, spam a Reddit
0: community or you'll pay the price. Right. right.
1: <laughs> and, and, and another thing that you can do as well is, um, if you are on Twitter then you can also just join in conversations on Twitter. So there's people talking about whatever it is that you're interested in or whatever it is that you're making content about. There's people talking about that every day on Twitter. So you don't have to go there and promote your stuff. But what you can do is set up your profile. Again, visual authority. You want to have you know your, your nice header art. You want to have your uh, your profile filled out and everything you know looking nice and easy to understand. You also want to present the tweets that you're doing in a way that's going to be representative of who it is that you know, you want people to see of you online, so to speak. Um, But just start engaging with people and start having conversations and joining in on conversations that are already happening around the topics that you talk about. And people will slowly one by one go over and start, you know, um, visiting your profile, they'll see you have a YouTube channel, they'll click on that and they go watch. All of this is a lengthy process. And that's something that's really important to understand is that if you're starting on YouTube, everybody, every single person that goes on YouTube, because we're all, you know, like internally, we all think, Hey, if I put this out, people are going to love this because we're the ones making it. Right. But at the end of the day, like YouTube is a lengthy process, unless you're a unicorn, unless you're one of those people that puts out a video and then all of a sudden it just takes off because you just innately have that <laughs> perfect formula that you can put together. It happens. It, it definitely happens. Yep. It's not, it doesn't happen a lot, but it happens. But for most of us, it's, it's going to be a longer it's gonna be a longer experience. So because of that, you have, to, um, you have to commit to learning the platform, you have to commit to learning your audience, you have to commit to learning um, how to read your stats so that you can say, okay, well, this is what the people that YouTube is showing my content to is responding to. So because of that, I need to make more of this. And another thing that is really important, and I can't state this enough, is to, like, when you go into YouTube, you want to, of course, make content that you're interested in. But more than anything, you also need to be flexible. If you're going after growth, You need to be flexible because over time, YouTube, like we talked about earlier, YouTube is going to start identifying these particular types of viewers watch this channel and other channels like this. So we're going to start showing this channel to more people that fit this profile. So because of that, there's going to be times to where you're going to say, you know what, I don't want to make a video on this specific topic, but every time I do, all my stats raise. So because of that, this is something that people that are that are consuming my type of content. This is something that they're interested in, so I need to make sure that I make content like this on a regular basis, because it's something that they're interested in. And you need to start fine-tuning every single piece of content that you put out towards that audience that's responding, so that YouTube can do its thing and start promoting you to the right people. Because if you put out content on, like let's say you have one that is um, about, um, you know, like uh, how to make crafts, right? Let's do that one. And you're, you're putting out craft content, and then the next thing, you know, you're like, Oh, you know what? Hey, I'm going um, to my kid's baseball game. Let me make a video and put that out on my YouTube channel. Well, the people that are subscribing for the craft content, they don't care about your kid, right? I mean, it's just call it what it is. They don't care. So because of that, they're not going to come in. There'll be some people that will, but at scale, the people that YouTube is showing that, that YouTube is going to show that baseball game of your kid to, they're going to be like, yeah, I'm not even into baseball. They're just going to glaze right over that. They're not going to click on it. It's going to hurt the click-through rate of that video. It's going to hurt the watch time for the people that do click on it. And, and that video is just going to die a really quick death. So the more that you can say, this is the type of content on my channel that people are responding to. I need to make more content like this. I need to stem off of this content um, in terms of topically so that I can make sure that I'm nailing that, that audience. You will, like that's ultimately how you win on YouTube.
0: Yeah. And, and a couple things you said there, I, I've talked to several content creators that, that have told me that oftentimes a video that they put very little thought into, very little production into, um, didn't even, you know, they just did it like on a whim, ended up like outperforming the well-prepared, the one that they thought was going to crush uh, was not the one that crushed. It was the other right. video that did. And so that, that ability to pivot. And recognize uh, and recognize trends and the willingness to uh, let go of your ego a bit maybe and, and listen to the data instead of um, what you think people want to hear uh, is likely going to be a big factor in that too, I would think.
1: <laughs> yeah, with, without question it is. But even with the pivot, right, that's where it's really important to make sure that you know what it is that you're after when you start a YouTube channel. Because like if you go into YouTube as, hey, I want to be a big YouTuber and that's all you care about, then you can go in any direction, it doesn't matter. But if you're like, hey, I'm trying to bring attention to my business, or I'm trying to generate income from this, or I'm trying to make content about this specific thing, because it's just what I'm into. And I want to connect with other people that are into it. When you know what it is that you're after, that will prevent you from making content that might end up, you know, that low effort content that you didn't really care about, but that people just responded to. And you want to prevent those things. Because what will happen is, let's say that you're making marketing content as an example, say you're making marketing content and it's growing like a little bit slow, but you're, you're starting to build that community. You're generating some income from it. Then all of a sudden you put out this video, let's just say about your kid's baseball game. And for whatever reason, people love that video. (laughs) So the next thing you, next thing you know, you have this video that for the next few years is driving you, um, 12,000 subscribers a month. Right? So then it ends up taking that situation and it puts it in reverse right? So what happens there is you say, okay, well, I started this as a marketing thing. And even though I'm growing my channel at 10,000 subscribers a month, it's not doing anything for my business. It's not generating me any income outside of ad revenue to where I could just be crushing it on the marketing side. It's not doing all of the things that I actually want my channel to do, but it's the thing that's bringing in all the people and it's giving me the vanity numbers that don't really mean anything, right? So knowing what it is that you're after is also a really important part of YouTube because then you won't make those You won't make that content um, that can possibly end up sending your channel in the wrong direction.
0: It could throw you off pretty good then. Yeah, Without question. Yeah, without question. All of a sudden I have a parenting channel instead of a marketing channel. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. And and that happens a lot. And people are, you know, they have to sit there and they have to think, great, this isn't what I wanted. But now I have this opportunity. So now do I want to be known as that parent channel? Do I want to be known as that? Or do I want to be known as this? And if I'm known as a parent channel, that all of a sudden I have a video about, you know, how to feed your one-year-old. Well, guess what? When that kid, you know, in in like two years, then you're going to have to just constantly be reinventing yourself as your kid ages because then in that situation, that one-year-old video that's still driving traffic a few years later is going to be, you're you're in that situation, you're reaching people that have a one-year-old.
0: Yeah. Right. we we'll just and keep, keep having more life. kids. Just keep having more kids. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Problem solving right there. There we yeah. go. Um, so uh, I want to talk a little bit about the tools then. Um, I know that you had, you mentioned, I think I've saw it in show notes for one of your videos online, um, a YouTube kind of uh keyword tool. And I don't, I don't know if this one's still in date or not, but uh, it was called morning fame or morning, mm-hmm. morning Yeah. So morning, like the word fame, F-A dot M-E instead of dot com. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me, tell me about that tool. What what makes that like work well for YouTube versus like a Google Keyword Planner or something like that?
1: So two primary tools that I use for YouTube. One is TubeBuddy. Um, the other one is Morning Fame. And both of them are amazing tools. Um, TubeBuddy, I use them primarily for keyword research and for um, uh, A-B testing my thumbnails and for doing general channel management stuff. Like if you're a YouTuber, you need to have TubeBuddy. Um, if you are just getting started and you are trying to figure out like if you're, if your primary, um, way that you're getting discovered on YouTube is through search, um, then using morning fame can be advantageous for that as well. So it can too, buddy. But the cool thing about morning fame is it actually takes you through the process of teaching you what's important when it comes to ranking videos. So they have something to where they score your videos based on the information that you're putting in. So Let's say that you have a title and you're trying to target a phrase on you know uh, how to make coffee then in that particular situation you'll put how to make coffee in your title and then it'll it'll raise a score and then you start filling out your description and then if you end up putting you know how to make coffee and you know some other different variants of how people might look for that in your description, then it'll start raising your score based around that and then when you start putting your tags and it'll raise your score based around that <laughs> um, based on the tags that you're suggesting but it starts it starts training you on how to optimize your videos for search, which is a really, really valuable thing. Um, so on that side of it, it's great. Another side that Morning Fame is good at is they simplify things. So if you are somebody, because stats, I mean, let's just call it what it is. It can be overwhelming. There's so much information, so much information in there. But uh, they also have a, a stats area to where they just simplify everything. So you can go into their stats area and it'll just be like, make more videos like this. And it'll just show the videos that people are responding to the best. It'll say, don't make videos like this, which are videos that people aren't responding to. Um, And and it'll just give you on each individual video that you've uploaded. I think it gives you like 25 of your last videos. Um, It'll show you little check marks. Right. It'll either be grayed out or it'll be a check mark or like a little badge to where it'll say, uh, you know, hey, this one generated way more engagement or this one generated a lot more watch time than the other ones and and things like that. Where it just gives you like a real easy to understand overview of how each video and the channel as a whole is performing, which is really
0: cool. And when I was checking it out, it's actually pretty reasonable compared to other type of SEO tools out there anyway. Like when I think of like HRES or like an SEM rush or something like sure. that. Those yeah. are closer to you know one hundred plus per month. This was right. more like twelve dollars a month, or I think it's even less if you pay the year in full. So, yeah. uh, relatively, uh, relatively reasonable, at least uh, worth giving it a shot for a month or so to test it out and see if it works for you. Yeah, without question. The the one
1: thing I also like um, on the Tube Buddy side is that it's actually built into your browser, also, so you don't have to actually leave YouTube. I keep talking to Nico, who owns Morning Fame. I keep talking to him about doing that with uh, Morning Fame as well, so that you don't have to leave YouTube in order to use it. Um, but one of the things that I like about YouTube or TubeBuddy is that like while you're sitting there working on the video, you can just tip, you can just tap on the, uh, the browser extension in your browser. And then you have the panel that opens up to where you can do a lot of that stuff right inside of the, uh, the extension right there on your screen without having to leave YouTube.
0: And I have a version of TubeBuddy on my on mine, so I, I'm a little bit familiar with kind of the, some of the stats that pop up, and I have the um, hmm. the Google Chrome plugin and all that popping up on my uh, on my YouTube channel. So I get I get to see some of those numbers, but I don't have the highest level of it. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Which might uh, I'm sure it unlocks additional functionality that would be nice. Without question, yeah. yeah. Um, one other thing, have you ever experimented with YouTube advertising? Is that something you've played? You've played in it at all? I know that runs through the back end of Google.
1: I've played with it for clients, not for my personal stuff, but I've played with it for clients. Yes. Um, well, not played with it. I've used it for clients. Yeah. Um, YouTube advertising on the side of growing channels with it, um, it is something that can be effective for growing channels, but that's another one of those situations where you have to make sure that you're just nailing the right people that you're trying to reach. Um, Because what you can do in that situation is you can do a huge ad spend. And some people will say, they'll do it like this to where they'll say, okay, well, I'm going to just try to get a bunch of subscribers on the channel. I'm going to use YouTube ads to get a bunch of subscribers. But hey, in order to do that, let me target these like low tier countries because they're cheap. And then I can show them more of my more of my content, or more you know I can give them uh, more impressions. So for a lower amount of money. So because of them, I'm going to target these low tier countries, and then they start basically building profiles around low tier countries instead of the countries that they're actually trying to reach or the type of people that they're actually trying to reach. So one thing, a tip that I want to give anybody if you are running YouTube ads is target the actual videos of the people that you're going to be competing with, because you know that those particular people. They're in front of the audience that you want to be in front of. So, run ads. You can literally run ads at the video level on YouTube. So, target the videos of the people that you're going to be um, that you're going to be competing with because they, they're the, they are the right audience. Yeah. So you want to put your videos in front of them.
0: Yeah. And I look at a guy like Ty Lopez and I'm pretty sure he built his brand off of YouTube advertising. Um, yeah. So I, I know it can be effective. I mean, he got in, he got in a little bit earlier than some people. And yeah. I, I do a lot on the, on the Facebook ad side. So um, when you, when you talk about like complicated data too, that can get pretty complicated. Sure. <laughs> um, sure. I'm still kind of figuring out the, the, uh, the YouTube back end of the ads platform and, And I know it runs closer to what you'll see in like Google AdWords and and because it's a Google, it's a Google product. So it's a, it's a process, but um, interesting. So thank you. uh, Thank you for doing this. I wanted to give you a chance to to talk about some of the things that you're doing in your business that are cool right now, um, where people can find you, where to find your channel, some of the, you know, some of the service offerings that you have, how they can kind of get involved.
1: So um, in terms of service offerings, right now I'm I'm not taking on any any new clients at the moment. Um, I'm actually transitioning into um, into not doing as much client work. So I have a handful of clients just because I need to make sure that I'm getting more data than just what's happening on my channel. So because of what I do, I, I have to have some. But I'm not I'm not taking on any new clients at the moment. So on the service side, we'll go ahead and wipe that one off. But um, in terms of where to find me, um, you can find me at uh, YouTube.com/slash Nick Nimmin. Um, You can also find my podcast at Comments Over Coffee. Um, If you look for Comments Over Coffee on your favorite podcast platform of choice, um, you'll find my podcast there. It's fairly new. And the premise is it's all short form content where you can learn about YouTube over a cup of coffee. Um, So awesome information being shared there. A lot of great feedback. And um, really, you can go to nickneman.com. You'll find everything there. And if you go to nixcontent.com, then you'll actually, it'll just be like a little quick listing of different places where you can find my stuff as well. So any of those will, will ultimately lead you to everything else.
0: (laughs) Awesome. And uh, I need to check out your podcast. So uh, give the name of the podcast one more time. It's I heard comments over coffee, comments over coffee. So I need to check out the podcast and, and it looked like you had a, you had a previous podcast too, that you you started, you started a few years ago. And then, so now you've kind of, you let that one go and came into this one. Two. So one of them um
1: was called uh, the Digital Journey, and that was actually a project that I did for hire for a company called Empire Flippers. Okay. And unfortunately, the guy, not to put a sour note at the end of the podcast, but unfortunately, the guy that I was doing that with, um, he actually died here locally in a motorbike accident. Um, so we stopped that one just out of, you know, just so it wouldn't be weird. Um And then the other one that I did with a friend of mine um, was the business of video podcast, and I think he's actually getting ready to relaunch that. um so, um, so that was a really fun project. That was actually my first um, my first time to where I did for like a year straight. Uh, we streamed that live on Facebook while we were recording it and all that stuff is fun. So I really enjoyed uh, that podcast. But the information in there is all still valid. So you can definitely listen to that one um, as well. But keep an eye out for that one because I'm pretty sure he's getting ready to relaunch that one as a solo project soon.
0: Awesome. Well, make sure everyone listening to this to subscribe to Nick Niman's channel on YouTube. Check out a few of the products. I'll have links in the show notes. Check out his podcast and any last words of wisdom, words of advice. I don't know, sage words to give uh, to close out the show today.
1: Sure. Um, Yeah. Basically, like if you're considering hopping on YouTube and you're considering starting, do it now. Start now. And the reason for that is because every single day that passes, there's a lot of there's a lot more people getting onto YouTube currently. Um, 500 hours of videos are being uploaded to YouTube every minute. So that's all the people that you're competing with. So if you want to give yourself an edge, start now, because as all of this stuff gets more and more entrenched and it gets easier and easier to do because, you know, now with the mobile technology and all that stuff, anybody can just sit there and upload content. So I really encourage you that if you're considering it to do it. And also I encourage you to make sure that you are targeting a specific, Type of viewer when you are doing it, and that you know what it is that you want out of it. But above all of that, um, make sure that if you are afraid of being on camera or that you're not doing it because you feel that, hey, you know, you don't want that judgment from people and things like that. Um, Once, like, start it privately, start making videos, and you don't even have to put them on the internet yet if you don't want to. Just start making videos until you are comfortable with it, until you're like, yeah, this is something that I would be proud of, and then start uploading that content and just don't tell anybody about it. Don't tell anybody about it until you reach a certain point to where you feel that, hey, now it's to a point that I'm going to be comfortable telling people about it. Um, but but I can't put into words. And I didn't understand this either when I started on YouTube. And even when I was working with someone else who like when I was working with uh, Daryl at that time on that other channel, even when I got enlightened into um, the, the power of YouTube even at that point, I was just seeing the tip of the iceberg in terms of how powerful online video is, in terms of all of the opportunities um, that can open up for you just by putting yourself out there. And I really encourage you that if you are considering that, that you, that you just do it. Because there's like YouTube and just online video by itself is an incredible tool that you can use to build your personal brand or to spread awareness about anything it is that you're doing, to spread any type of message that you want to spread Um, it's incredible. It's an incredible thing. And if you aren't using online video, in my opinion, it's going to be a really short amount of time before, um, before people that are using online video for what it is that you are trying to bring attention to are going to end up beating
0: you out. I a hundred percent agree with that. I think, uh, I think businesses that aren't producing content on preferably video, even audio, but like you're not producing content, you're going to become irrelevant uh, very soon. So, yeah,
1: I agree. Thank you, Nick. And Justin, I want to say to you, man, thank you for thank you for having me on. I really appreciate um I really appreciate the opportunity to be here and talk to your listeners and and have this conversation with you as well. So thank you for having me on.
0: Yeah, a lot of fun and a lot of great information. And this is a guy, again, um, that has almost 500,000 uh, subscribers. By the time this airs, maybe you'll be at that half million mark, so we'll have to <laughs> check, but uh, just, just absolutely awesome. Thank you for taking the time and doing this. Really, really, really appreciate you. And uh, I'm excited to, I, I already subscribed to your channel and I'm excited to kind of dive into some of your content and learn more myself.
1: Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I hope you find value there. <laughs> Very cool, All right, thanks, Nick. All right. Thanks again.
0: All right, guys, that's the show today. My thanks again to Nick Nimmin for a fantastic conversation about YouTube, YouTube marketing, growing your presence and creating video content that moves the needle on your subscriber count. To learn more about Nick, I highly suggest that you subscribe to his YouTube channel. So his YouTube channel is just called Nick Nimmin, his name. And also go to his website, nickniman.com, because you'll find links not only to his YouTube channel, but you also find links to his podcast, his uh, software company, Tuber Tools, which will help you accelerate your YouTube growth. And to his new YouTube accelerator course, which is in uh, a waiting list period right now where you could get on the waiting list by going to the website and clicking the link on the page. And also, it'll give you information about when he uploads videos and when he goes live. So, he uploads videos every Monday and Wednesday, and he goes live every Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern. So, be sure to be on his channel so you can actually catch Nick live where you can ask questions directly to him and get live feedback. So, this was an awesome conversation. I hope you're able to get some value out of it. And be sure to stay tuned because we got lots of more great guests to come on the Business Dynamics podcast. And with that, I am out.